0: This episode is brought to you by Oatbedian. For people looking for vegan-friendly and dairy-free alternatives, Oatbedian offers a series of powdered oat milk beverages that are authentically delicious and nutritious. These tasty products also come in easy-to-prepare sachets that one can enjoy at any time of the day. Oatbedian oat milk uses quality ingredients that are not only good for people, but also friendly to the environment obedient products are low in sugar does not contain palm oil or artificial colors and flavorings they are made with simple ingredients that are non-gmo contains no preservatives gums or thickeners oh my goodness they also have no fillers and no junk they are available in three yummy flavors oat milk chocolate oat milk and oat milk with oats and chia seeds so what are you waiting for you can go to www.oatbedient.com to find out more there are endless books about ways to grow a business how to make deals and how to follow in the footsteps of successful entrepreneur pioneers however There's one subject that rarely gets brought up on panels, at networking events or at business conferences. It is a subject reserved for small groups of close entrepreneurial friends at the end of a long day. Guess what? That is relationships. Believe it or not, dating is supposed to be easy and fun. If it's feeling too much like hard work right now, then this episode is for you. Hi, my name is Rayson, and I'm your host for the Regacy Show. And today we have invited a renowned dating and relationship expert with a global reputation. Her name is none other than Sammy Wonder. Sammy is a leading international dating and relationship coach who specializes in helping high-achieving women attract and keep romantic love. Her comprehensive approach shows her clients how to embrace strong relationship boundaries while still emanating and inviting feminine energy sammy has enabled more than 300 single clients to get married and more than 350 partnered clients to bring their marriages back from divorce in the past five years and guess what sammy has actually founded her multi seven-figure relationship brand after exi- exiting a successful career is a gold medalist economist with a master's in public po- policy. Since then, she had improved the love lives of thousands of women, including celebrities, senior executives, and entrepreneurs in over 55 countries across the globe. And her expertise has been featured in media outlets including Forbes, Glamour, Time, Business Insider, and the BBC. Well, without further ado, let's welcome Sammy into the podcast. Woohoo! Hey, yay so happy
1: to be here
0: yeah i know right we have been planning and my apologies i have some issue um at at, at work and all so i had to actually uh um, you know uh plan it and mm-hmm. until today we are finally you know able to actually do this podcast and i'm really honored to have you here so sammy how, how have you been
1: I've been fabulous, thank you. Loving my life, helping women across the world have and keep amazing relationships. I'm just so grateful every day for what I get to do in the
0: world. Oh, nice! So, wow, speaking of which, besides you know, women, do you help men as well, um, to actually uh, rebuild their relationship, um, and even like getting their own dates, for example, or is it just purely you know women that you are helping
1: so i have built an eight-figure love coaching brand and that has happened purely by helping women as my clients however i am more than happy to give advice to men as well because it's really a mirror image right like if i tell a woman you know go for a good man who is making an effort then i'm gonna tell a man effort and dating really counts if you're looking to get a wife
0: right okay got it got it yeah so understand that you know it's both sexes that you're helping but primarily female as well but um i believe the, the audience who are based in singapore asia and even like who are not really based in Europe that you're based in and and, in Berlin that you are um, I mean in Germany as well Uh, can you share with the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do
1: I actually come from India so I was born and brought up in India I'm a Bollywood girl through and through I love spicy food and I love wearing saris and I came to Germany for my master's I got a full scholarship from the German government and basically I stayed back um, because I met my husband here. And this was the time when I was um, going through a really hard time in my private life uh, with men, in dating, you know, I couldn't understand why a smart, good hearted, reasonably good looking woman would have such a hard time dating or, you know, meeting a good guy. And so basically, I went on a journey of meeting many men, um, many ghosted, many fizzled out, many just wanted to take me to bed. And I didn't want that kind of a relationship. So I was like, okay, in today's world, how do you date to attract a husband, not just another fling or another affair. And I used to think everything's wrong with the guys. So I was the first person to like always blame the men. You know, it was like, oh, they just want to get in your pants. Oh, they're intimidated by beautiful, um, intelligent women till I actually met a guy who I thought was the one for me. And we had such a great connection. And I could see that he didn't just want me for my appearance. He was interested in my personality, my intelligence, what I brought to the table. But then when two months down the line, he said to me, Sammy, you're an amazing girl, but I don't think I can give you what you want. Um, It broke my heart and it brought my self-esteem to rock bottom. I was like, okay, something must be really wrong with me because this thing just doesn't seem to work out. And then I remember waking up the next morning and going, no, you're not going to give up on your desire for love. You're actually going to understand what's going on here because you are indeed the common denominator in all your experiences. And so Mm. basically I went on a personal transformation journey where I took personal responsibility for how I was showing up in dating that was pushing the good guys away, that was pushing the good men away. And basically, the lessons I learned in a year's time completely radically shifted the way I thought about men, love, relationships. I worked um, on my self-esteem. I worked on my feminine energy, my boundaries. And literally within a year I was dating the best guys. They were treating me like a queen and I had the best year of my life. And at the end of that year, I had a ring on my finger from my husband, Christopher, and we've been married 10 years. We have two beautiful boys. Um, and I am here to show other women, you know, how this is possible for them too.
0: Mm, right. I And, you know, modern day these days you know having a relationship and not not a lot of them you know i would say not just women but men as well quite a number of them do not want to date to marry because they are just wanting to fling they just want to have fun they just want to know who they want to be with and all And there's no wrong to it. There's no right to it as well. It's just personal preferences in a sense. But we won't going to touch base on this a lot more in detail later on uh, because I have curated a few questions on this kind of stuff, especially when it comes to dating, especially for entrepreneurs who are tuning in to this episode who are always saying that, hey, I'm busy at work. I'm hustling. Uh, I don't have time for... uh, a, a girl or a guy to be with me. You, 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 already went past that, and you're already proven, and along with other women that has proven that. Hey, you can still get into a relationship, get married, and still build your empire. Be it to with them or alone with your with your own team, and you know still have a family together. And I believe this is going to be something that we're going to talk a lot more later on as well. And Sammy, you know, I, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, you actually went through that that uh, phase of life, but everyone has go through that kind of phase of life where um, they have to be hurt before they found love again. And that love is actually something that's pretty rewarding, meaningful for you as well. That's why you have Christopher with you for more than 10 years and even have kids already. Uh, but, you know, a lot of us will will be actually wondering and and also wanting to get to know you a bit better so can you like how did you decide to get into the business of love and romance because this is a very niche topic and it's not a lot of women would go into it because mainly guys will go into this like uh, like um um like um uh, Matthew Hasey, right, uh, all these all these people, they would rather go into it or even pick up artists as well. They, they would go into it, pick up and then after that go to dating and re- relationship, how to sustain it in a sense in a longer tier kind of thing. So what brought you to this niche itself?
1: Yeah, I think I had a 180 career turnaround. So I am a trained economist. I have a master's in public policy. Before I was a love coach for Ambitious Women, I was working for the United Nations, the International Labour Organization in Geneva, in Switzerland. I was making really good money as an international development consultant. And then as I shared my private story, you know, I went through this personal transformation journey and basically I had this big inner transformation And then I saw that I was not the only woman struggling with love and only woman struggling with dating. So I had a ring on my finger. I had a great man by my side. And I was surrounded by other strong, successful women who were my peers and my colleagues at the ILO, in my master's um, curriculum at university, And all these women were asking me, Semi, what did you do? Do you think I should call him? Do you think I should text him? Do you think I should say something? He said this. And I was like, wow, like I thought I had an issue that was personal. But now I'm starting to see this is a universal challenge. This is not just me. This is millions of women probably struggling with the same challenge. And then life took a turn where my husband got a great job with the European Space Agency. We moved to Paris in France. I was recently married to my German husband. I was already learning German as a foreign language. And then we went to France and I was like, oh my God, I have to learn French now to get a job here? Like, oh no. And so I remember telling my husband, I just wanna you know, learn German. Um, and really get that right because that's already hard enough for me and then I found myself sitting at home basically with a master's degree with so much brains with so much to give to the world and it was almost like by a stroke of destiny I saw on Facebook an ad that suddenly came up and said do you have a gift that you want to share with the world do you have a message that has personally transformed your life that you would like to share with the world and do you know that you can do it um, if you train as a coach with us and long story short i was like yes i do and that's how my company started and honestly i did not start out by saying i'm gonna build an eight figure empire i did not start out by saying i'm gonna build a multi-seven figure per year business. I started out by saying, I am really passionate about this message. It changed my life, ladies. And let's see if it can change yours. And what was incredible was the first year in the business was all about private coaching. So I worked one-on-one intensively. I remember at one point I had, um, I think, 36 private clients You know, in, in a month. <laughs> and all I was obsessed was... Does my process work? Can it get people results? Because I think so many people start out their businesses thinking, how can I make money? How can I do good marketing? And How can I get lots of people to buy my program? But my obsession was my process. Like, I wanted to develop a process that didn't just help me become a wife, but that can help many, many, many others get similar results. And for that experience, for that, you need to actually work with people and hone your craft so that you get really good at what you do. And once you get really good at what you do, I think that is when sky is the limit. And so we were a six-figure business in the first year, a multi-six-figure business in the second year, a seven-figure business in the se- in the third year, and a multi-seven-figure business in the fourth year. And we're so excited to get to eight figures per year. We're not there yet. But we still know that um, the way to get there is to actually serve people and get results because that's really the hallmark of success online.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And you know, it's it's remarkable, especially for someone who has, I would say, not 100% experience in, in building a business for the first year because you were actually from a corporate industry economist in a sense and then after that you came into you know sharing your gifts with the world after watching an ad on Facebook and and man it's it's really incredible and you know your business has actually done exceptionally well first year six figures and so on and so forth to seven figures and all so how were you able to grow so quickly especially in a non traditional field
1: Yeah, I think, as I said, the first thing is results. Your testimonials and your results are everything. I think Mm. in the competitive world we live in today, also dating and relationships is such a competitive niche. Um, You know, everybody can come and try to tell you how to get a man or how to get a wife. But then as competition grows online, I think the people that will really stand out are the people who can get results. So my clients come to me and pay thousands to work with me um, because they know this woman's work actually delivers the the thing that she says it will deliver. So we have a very high client success rate. And if you don't succeed in the first six months with us, you know, If you really are committed it's just a matter of time you know we say like okay let's do another six months you know because you have to succeed with this process you have a blind spot that you are not able to see and if we figure out what that blind spot is in dating for you you will get the results you desire. I think the second thing is like first year was intensive one-on-one work to Mm -hmm. really craft the process and make the process strong And then the second year was group coaching because very quickly, you know, as a mom of little kids, I was breastfeeding, I was pregnant, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die this way if I keep working so hard. And so I had to learn how to leverage my time and time leverage meant instead of having 10 calls a day with private clients, I had -hmm. had one 90 minute or two hour call with 90 people. (laughs) So um, I think group coaching is really where the leverage in scaling started Mm -hmm. and then it's really about optimizing for conversions and really seeing where your message is not hitting where as an expert sometimes you can be so deep in the problem and you can be so much in your own bubble you can't see what your ideal soul client actually wants to hear from you And so I had to get good at that because I was, I'm so good at what I do. I am so good with the deep transformational work that sometimes on my front end offers, I would go like, you know, I can help you heal heartbreak. I can help you attract a great man. And, you know, women would not be able to resonate with that message because they don't believe they're in so much pain. They will not believe that they can get a great guy. And so I had. Learn how to talk to where my client is. You know, I had to say things like, "Is online dating feeling hard? Do you just want to give up on Bumble and Tinder? Do you really believe there are no good men out there?" And then they're like, "Yeah, now you're talking to me." You know, like now I understand. I think you know how I feel. And so right. I think this is also one of the skills one has to learn as one scales a company to not like be in your expert bubble. Um, experts know a lot, but we can get drowned in our own brains and all the information we know. And so we have to learn how to really meet our client where they are.
0: Mm, okay, got it. Wow. It's it sounds tedious for you to build such a process with them, but I realized that, you know, all this meticulous stuff that you have to do with them, it's something that is very important for foundation process building their foundation in terms of dating and relationships because time and time again not all of them um are, are attuned to this kind of thing in terms of uh, relationship and dating because they are brought up in a different way that you have to actually go through a certain process with them to guide them to teach them and all do, do you have any diff- very difficult client that you've met during the first year or so?
1: Oh absolutely. And I think there's there's many types of different types of different clients, uh, difficult clients, right? So right. I think there's the difficult client that um, expects you to do all the work for them. Mm. So mm-hmm. they Which... don't take the responsibility for making the changes you're asking them to make. And they just want you to spoon feed them. So I've paid you the money and now get me a guy. And it's like, sorry, it doesn't work like this. You you have just signed up for the gym membership. Now you have to actually use the machines and work out in order to get results, right? right? So I think that client is really difficult. In the first year, I did have some of those clients who were like, oh, like I've paid you the money. Now get me a guy. Today at this level of my brand, I am not so accessible anymore. And if I notice that energy in somebody that they're coming to me without wanting to do the work themselves, I will simply not accept such clients anymore. So I am very particular about working with people who understand that ultimately it is their responsibility to do the process and to do what we're asking them to do in order to get the results that we say our process helps them get. Now, there's other types of difficult clients. Other types of difficult clients can be clients who don't keep their word, clients who are not reliable and when they will pay. And so sometimes we had issues with um, us delivering the services and then not getting paid for our services. And earlier, it used to feel emotional and frustrating, but now I'm just about lawyers. I'm very legal and very strict about it. I have to... Mm -hmm. I've had to have an own journey of my own personal leadership in order to get to this point because earlier I had all kinds of bad feelings about this like am I a bad person if I collect my debt is it is it it a bad thing to like ask people for their money if they're going through a hard time themselves and then I was like yes of course you know if I went through a hard time I would still honor my bills because the economy cannot function if everybody just made an excuse about I'm sick, I don't have a job, so I can't pay my bills. Uh, no, we have to pay our bills, it's our obligation and that's how the economy functions. And we wouldn't have a successful global economy if everybody just gave up when they were sick and when they were tired or they were going through hardship. So I think it's a, it's a value I will offer. You know, if I don't have a good month in business, I don't tell my team, sorry, can't pay you for your work because we didn't have a profit profitable month no it's my responsibility to take care of the people who work for me and similarly the people we work for they owe us to pay us for our time and our effort um, and I could go on and on I mean there's so many types of difficult clients but I think you yeah. have very intense emotional experiences in the first two years and then you learn to like deal with this in an objective healthy boundaries kind of way
0: right. OK, so how, how do you actually set these boundaries with them, especially when, uh, for example, client A actually said, hey, I'm actually facing this kind of issue right now. I'm facing uh, a lot of debt, and I can't pay you for this month. We have, have to wait for another month kind of thing. How do you actually settle with them in, in terms of this when, when it comes to business-wise?
1: so the most important thing is do you have a contract so we don't do any business without contracts all
0: contracts
1: have uh laid out you know what happens if there is a late payment usually if there is a late payment we have the right to charge interest um after uh three weeks of non-payment and then of course we see the energy of the human we see the reality of the situation you know um if it's a client i trust if it's a client I know, um, if it's somebody who has a genuine um, and a genuine reason, and they are, you know, requesting us, uh, whether instead of disappearing on us, you know, I think that says a lot of um, that gives a lot of volume to somebody. If instead of just disappearing on their failed payments, they actually write you an email, they actually tell you, "I'm going through a hard time," you know, "Can you make an exemption here?" And then on a case to case basis, my team is trained to make exceptions like we don't want to make people's life hard. We know life can be hard sometimes. And Mm -hmm. what we do not appreciate and where we go really heavy hands down is when people don't communicate. Right. Like if you. Disappear on us if you stop answering our emails. I actually had a client who came on one of our luxury women's retreats. So we do like these women's retreats all over the world in like gorgeous locations, five-star hotels, boat trips, spa treatments, and of course love coaching. And she was on an installment plan and it was a 10K offer. And she had barely paid three months, 3K, and then she disappeared after the retreat. She came on the retreat, she used everything, and then she disappeared and this cool. is where and she stopped answering our emails and this is where we took legal action because we find this so out of integrity and this is just not right this is somebody who's out of integrity because we understand life can get hard but then you would write an email you would say i'm sorry i'm not able to pay right now can we postpone this by two months life is hard but when somebody doesn't behave that way i don't think they deserve concessions
0: true i agree Wow. Well, I- I feel that, you know, every businesses will have their own difficult clients. It's just how you actually handle them um, and how you don't get affected by them as well. Like how you actually mention it, you know, you just um handle it with care in a sense. You you just, uh, you know, ensure that they reply you and, you know, make sure that there's some etiquette going along there rather than, you know, ghosting them and, and letting them ghost you as well because... know contract is still a contract in a sense and i
1: I do want to say that you know in the beginning of my business i used to think that people treat me this way because i'm the sweet lady who will just say yes if you push me around i will say yes but can you push around pepsi can you push around coca cola can you not can you go to a doctor and not pay your bills can you go to a lawyer and not pay your bills? you don't treat other services this way, then why do you treat startups this way? This is where I decided like two, three years ago, you know, I run a mid-sized company and it deserves to be taken seriously. I deserve to be taken seriously. My work deserves to be taken seriously. And if you wouldn't play around with a doctor or a lawyer, you don't get to play around with, with, the, with my services as well.
0: Right, I agree. I mean, this is, I would say, the, the, the harsh side of business itself because usually people, when it comes to new businesses and all, they will think that, oh, it's fine, I can just not pay, and then after that, that's it, right? And then the, the thing is, people do not know that those who are starting up, the, the, the tough side of starting up and all, because these people... I believe they might be they, they would be corporate people that have been that has always been well paid and all and then now it's time for them getting services and they thought oh, Sammy is easy to push around because she's a uh, she's starting up new in this business she'll say yes to everything and anything her clients say but no it's not not that way. We shouldn't have this kind of mindset towards startups and people who are actually you know in this coaching services unless if the coach is a scammer then of course you you would have um, handled it that way but then of, of course out of integrity aspect it's still best not to do this kind of thing as well um for both pers- both parties uh personal branding and all it, it it will definitely be very bad especially if news get out of out of the way and out of hand Um, people start to spread about you, about you not paying and and things like that, it will be really bad. And, you know, Sammy, you have been in this business for quite some time. I'm pretty sure you have met some failures, right? So can you share with us, do you have a favorite failure of yours and how has that failure or apparent failure set you up for later success?
1: Yes, I remember around 2018 or 19, I ran a Valentine's Day sale. And the goal was to hit six figures with that campaign and i think we made two thousand oh. dollars it was such a massive failure and i remember being on a trip with my husband that weekend he had invited me for a valentine's day romantic weekend and i felt like i just couldn't relax and enjoy myself because i was so attached to the campaign and then of course it became very visible very quickly this wasn't working what we had prepared and then I just couldn't relax at the candlelight dinner I couldn't enjoy the flowers I couldn't enjoy the gifts he had got me and I felt really sad that night because I was like wow like why do I want to make those six figures you know because I think it's going to make me successful okay why do I want to be successful um because I think um it's going to make me happy. And then I was like, but I have so many reasons to be happy here right now with the love of my life, but I'm not able to be happy right now. So somewhere my happiness is attached to what I achieve and my happiness is attached to my business and my worth is attached to what I make. And if I don't make what I said I would make, then I'm not happy and I'm not worthy. And I think that was such a, a life-changing shift. Because today, a campaign can fail on me, and I wouldn't make it at all about myself. I wouldn't let it steal my joy from the present moment. Like, I have detached from money and success from a place of worthiness. Like, I know I am inherently worthy. And sometimes my campaigns will make multi-six figures in one day, and sometimes they will make nothing. (laughs) And, you know, you just have to you just have to um, step away from being so attached with your goals because it robs you of the joy in life. And so I, I remember this moment so vividly because it taught me so much. And I think it's impossible to to run a business if your emotional state is constantly connected to how the money is flowing and how the business is doing. And so you have to find ways to find your joy and your dopamine outside of your revenue and profit goals. Of course, Mm. you have to stay motivated and you have to, you know, do what needs to be done in order to make the impact you're here to make. But um, you have to step away from that emotional roller coaster. Otherwise, you can't sustain it. It's, It's going to kill you at some point. You'll get a help challenge or, you know, you will give up because you just cannot take that pressure every single day.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you are actually so attached with your business, when you have something, when something went wrong, you wouldn't want to actually detach yourself from it. You'll be thinking of how to fix that problem or how people can help you to fix and come up with better solutions rather than you know um enjoying your date with your husband and all uh, i'm i'm pretty sure it's it was very tough for you but how how did you manage to actually detach yourself from such goals and results of your you know um uh campaigns or, or even uh, per month sales for example how do you actually detach yourself from that because i'm, I'm pretty sure it's not easy especially women are more emotional in a sense right
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a journey. I don't want to make it sound like um, it's sailing a boat on the Mediterranean Sea and it's super easy. Um, I think it's a cultivated, continued mindset and practice. So there can still be days where I just go like, oh, what's happening? This is not working. And I can have an emotional response to it. But now I'm able to catch that. I'm able to step back. I'm able to say, "Okay, why are you doing this? to make an impact, to be joyful, to be happy, then be happy now, and then step back and and become objective about the campaign, you know? That campaign means nothing in the long run. Um, You know, it's just one campaign among many campaigns in the year. Um, As a CEO, put on your solution hat and ask yourself, how can we do better? What didn't work? And so just basically bringing objectivity versus emotion into the picture. And as I said, it's a cultivated practice. You have to catch yourself when you're getting emotional. You have to catch yourself when you're getting attached. You have to take a deep breath. You have to say, okay, I'm doing that thing again where I'm going in a spin. Okay, take a deep breath, step back. You know, go drink a coffee, go take a walk, move your body, get out of your head, journal if you must, and then come back come back to it with objectivity.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I totally agree with being objective rather than, you know, being so emotional about things and being objective and coming out with that thinking head of yours will be better because it will give you less anxiety. It will help you to have a clear-headed mind and you can actually be able to come up with solutions more faster and easier as compared to you know being so fixated with oh man i'm so i'm so useless oh man i, I did so many things wrong in a sense and uh, i'd like to ask you right you know um i read about i read about you and you and you saying about this uh, quote uh, very i would say very often and the quote is this you talk you you talk a lot about this importance of working smarter and not harder so how can entrepreneurs achieve that
1: yeah I remember I was interviewed by the Forbes magazine on how to work smarter and not harder for multi seven-figure success and I think the most important thing is to believe first that it's impossible for you to grow serve more people share gifts with the world and work less mm-hmm. so the most important thing is shifting the belief system because i didn't have that belief system you know in the beginning i just had the belief system if i have to grow i have to work harder if i have to serve more people i have to work harder till i reached a point where we were seven figures and i was like oh my god like how do people who have eight figure businesses survive because <laughs> At this point, I cannot double my effort. Like I am giving everything I can. And like, if I have to double my revenue, do I have to double my hours? Because that is crazy. It's not sustainable. It's not possible. So then you open your eyes to a new reality. You go like, okay, there are people who are making far more than I. And they're serving far more people than myself. So how are they doing it? Because we all have the same 24 hours in a day and we all have, you know, most of us want to get our night's sleep and most of us, you know, have other responsibilities, you know, children, you know, you want to take a shower, you want to meet friends, like you want to have a life outside your business. So long story short, I think shifting the belief system is so important because especially in Asia, India, You know, we are taught that you want more, you just work more, you know, and that mindset is going to bring you to the ground because it's going to keep making you work harder and harder, not smarter. So now once you shift the belief system and you go, okay, so many people are doing more than me. How are they doing it? I'm going to get curious. Then it starts with leveraging time by focusing on needle moving things, okay? So just to give you an example, my team and I are going to be preparing for our annual strategy for next year now. And we're going to look back at this year and we're going to ask ourselves what worked. And we're going to ask ourselves what didn't work. And we are only going to repeat what worked. Whatever didn't work, we're going to drop it. Yeah. And yeah. I think this is where we are learning to work smarter because we understand that, you know, there are some pieces of content that bring leads. There are some ads that work. There are some videos that really bring subscribers for me on YouTube. You know, if you go to Sammy Wunder YouTube channel, you know, you'll see earlier, I would just keep producing new, 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 new videos. Now I'm like, okay, I want to go back and look at which videos are bringing us more subscribers and why are they working? What am I saying in those YouTube videos that is actually resonating with women and they are subscribing to my channel? And then I wanna stop creating videos that don't work and I wanna create more that does work, right? right? So you have to cultivate this habit of assessing what is truly working because you can be busy every single day, you can create new content every single day. But is it really landing? Is it really working? And then only focusing on maximizing the parts of your business that are truly working and converting. So it's called looking at the needle movers.
0: Hmm. Love it. Wow, I I love this. It's true that you got to look at what works and what didn't. And then from there, you can move to... Newer heights, especially with what has worked and what you can do better, and what what other strategies you can add in as well. And I'd like to ask you, right? You know, I'm pretty sure, Sammy, you have a lot of mentors along the way, right? So, can you share with us, like, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received from your mentor?
1: It's going to sound a little funny because it's not about business.
0: Oh, okay.
1: It's about not forgetting why you started the business in the first place. And so always and always being connected with your why, because there are days you will wanna give up and not wanna do this thing. And then your why is going to wake you up again. Your why is gonna bring you back into the field again. Mm -hmm. Um, There are days where the glamour, the money will feel more attractive than service. Again, coming back to why you do this is going to keep you that being that good person, that good leader that actually cares about the people they serve versus just caring about the money and the impact and the glamour, which of course comes with success, right? Right. So, right. I don't have an issue with the glamour and the money, but I do have an issue when we forget why. Like those people that we serve, they literally are the reason why we are abundant, right? And so, staying in touch with the why and never, ever forgetting the centerpiece of your service, which is the human, the person, your client, your customer, I think. For me, that has been the best piece of advice because, with the years, it has helped me get through hard times and it has never let me forget where I come from. And it has helped me develop really deep, nurturing, intimate relationships with my clients and my customers. And they really know who Sammy Wonder is and they really know she cares. And for me, at least for me personally, that is very important because. There comes a point also where, you know, the money is there, the success is there, the fame is there. And then you realize it is the human connection that really nurtures you, it's the human connection that really feeds you. So I believe in having those intimate, deep relationships with my customers and my clients because they nurture me back. I'm not the only one giving to them, they also give back to me. Um, with love, with respect, with, you know, recognition. Thank you, Sammy, for changing my life. So I think staying connected with your why is going to give you long-term sustained motivation so that you are not the kind of business that rises to the top and then crashes, which right. is what happens to most startups within the first two, three, four or five years. Most don't make it beyond the five-year mark. And I think barely eight percent make it beyond the 10 year mark and so sustained motivation for sustained inspiration you need something more than money and fame you want to go for why am I doing this and who is the human I'm serving and stay connected with that
0: Mm, okay yeah I agree with you that we have to know our why and you have to know your why before you actually go and start your business and all. Because the money is there, the fame is there, but the why is not there. You feel depressed after a while. You, you feel like, oh, man, I, I'm serving all these people. I have so much money. I, I can buy my favorite car, watches, and whatever not. And next moment, you go into depression because you do not know why you are doing this and how you are actually able mm-hmm. to enjoy this process rather than you know just working for the money and that's it and, and working for the money so you can buy the next luxury house or, or yacht or whatsoever and things will go sideways when when you go and just focus on the and you have that amount of money it can only bring you a certain amount of joy but after a while it will deplete in a, in a while so that's why i I truly believe that you need to know your why like what sammy has mentioned so that you can actually you know be able to fully enjoy the process of serving people and in turn you are able to reap the rewards from there and um i would like to ask you right because many of our listeners love to read books and i myself love to read books as well as you can see from the background which you you saw me walking in and out from that (laughs) earlier right so um Sammy, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life?
1: So I think um, it's The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle really taught me to come back into presence and enjoy the moment and not just live life in my head, which I think Mm. can really happen with entrepreneurs.
0: Um,
1: I think uh, for another book that really shifted my perspective and helped me become more objective was The Art of Not Giving A Fish by Mark Manson.
0: Manson yeah, yeah. Um, a yeah,
1: really solid book, really strong, um, really shifts your perspective on You know, you can't worry about everything and drive yourself crazy because that's who I used to be in the beginning. You know, as you said, women are emotional and like being a leader and managing team and managing clients like, oh, my God, I thought I was starting a company to feel more freedom and joy. And here I am just feeling miserable all the time. And so that book really made a difference um, in my life um, as well. And then. There was The Choice for Love by Marianne Williamson. And I think for me, that is just like a way of living life where whoever you meet, make sure you're adding to their energy, not taking away from it. No matter which event you go to, no matter which client you receive, your partner, your girlfriend, uh, whoever comes into contact with you, you make the choice to be in love. And by being in love, you just like bring that energy of gratitude and joy wherever you go. And I think that just adds so much to our magnetic power, our power to attract more clients, our power to be the person that people actually want to be around. And so for me, energetically, that was very enhancing.
0: Wow, love it. These three books are amazing. I've read two of them. Not yet. The third one, I've not read them yet i read it yet so i'll go and check it out so for those of you who are tuning in to this episode can actually go amazon or any of your bookstores to actually find them and let us know how you find it after you've read them okay and uh, now to the main focus of our interview Um, sammy i would like to ask you right what is the real reason okay why modern dating is challenging for high performing individuals especially women
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons. The first is that the we have too many choices. So it's a good thing and a bad thing because Mm -hmm. if you go on Bumble and Tinder, you know everybody wants the dopamine hit. Everybody wants to meet you tonight. Do you want to meet for a drink tonight? And do you want to meet um, uh, again tomorrow if it was good today? And so basically what we're trying, and if you don't meet me, then I'll just swipe you left or unmatch you. And I'll find somebody who does give me that dopamine hit tonight. So Mm -hmm. I think we're all seeking instant gratification. And the problem with instant gratification is that it never lets you think about the long term. So when you don't look that attractive in 10 years from now and you are sick, You have nobody because you can't swipe right and ask somebody for a drink tonight and then you will be faced with the choices you make today which is if you're just about instant gratification you just want everything easy people are not ready to make an effort anymore people are not ready to make a commitment anymore um we just want it easy and i think for men um the hard part is like once you have seen an attractive woman you've seen a hot woman it is so difficult to like build something real especially if physical intimacy is involved and then Mm -hmm. guys are trained for you know going for the kill like going for the conquer and when you go for the kill and the conquer so quickly you really do not attach emotionally and when you don't attach emotionally you start to practice Uh, suboptimal choices in dating, which is you only then seek instant gratification. Um, And therefore, a woman who actually likes to take it slow, a woman who's not going to sleep with you in the first uh, few months, you're going to ask yourself, why should I make all that effort when I can have somebody who's attractive and is willing to sleep with me on date number two? And so we're really facing, we're facing a crisis in our society right now where, you know men especially with all the choice that is available on dating apps you know we're going for instant gratification and women um at least the kind of women i work with you know we the high achievers the ambitious ones you know they are going for the top 1% the top 5% men now this is really oh, okay. problematic this is really problematic i i think yeah. we we don't understand the consequences of this right now but we are basically what we're doing is that we are leaving 95% of the men without partners. So 95% men are not getting any attention from attractive, super attractive women because those super attractive women are aiming for the top category of men, high net worth, super attractive, very ambitious, have ma- has money. And now what happens is that these men have so many choices. They don't know what to do with their choices. And so they are practicing suboptimal dating strategies. Meet a woman for the evening. Meet another one for the night. Meet another one for breakfast. Take take as many as you can to bed because you can, right? You are getting all the attention. But this is not good for the long term. And this is definitely not good for also the women who are left hurting and being ghosted on and being cheated upon by these men. And so we're looking at a society where the rich men – and the ambitious men that many women would call the top percent man one percent man i don't call it the top one percent man but many mm-hmm. women call it the top one percent man you know this man is going to be single forever he's just going to rotate among different women and the hot woman the attractive woman is also going to be single forever because she's going to keep choosing the top one percent in her. <laughs> And she's going to keep getting burnt and ghosted. And so we're living in like this crazy world where the top brackets are often single. Okay. And, and the, the, the less attractive or let's say the mediocre attractive men and women, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they're the ones who are moving on, you know, getting together, making life happen. And, you yeah. know, they, they are the ones who are going to win in the long run, you know. And I think if an attractive man and an attractive woman can play a long-term mating strategy, I think that's when they will win. But they don't play that. They play the short-term game.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. To a certain extent, especially um, women who are choosing, uh, men are choosing as well. It's fine to choose. It's just that society has actually brought us to the extent of, um, hey, you know you got to date up you gotta date up um you gotta keep dating up and not just that i've you recently watched a youtube video where someone was on the streets just asking questions and they asked this girl how much do you think or feel that your boyfriend or your future husband have to earn and the girl said that one year that guy has to earn 500k and she's not as attractive as you. She's worse uh, look in terms of the looks-wise and, and in terms of the size-wise. She's very chubby and she was saying this, hey, I want a guy who's 500k earning 500k. But of course, probably she was just trolling or she was for real, <laughs> which we do not know. But if if let's say this is how society deem guys to be, and how guys should be in in the realm of relationship, then it's gonna be very uh, toxic because there are people who are not earning 500k a year. There are people who are earning 500 dollars a month. Some are even earning more, slightly more than that. Some are earning depending on which country you are in, right? In India, in the Philippines, I I know people who are earning what 600, 700 dollars, or, or some can be even 800 USD, for example, but they are not earning so much. And and when women have that ideology saying that, hey, guys should be at this level because you're going to provide for me, you're going to be, you know, cooking for me and whatever not. I I find that, you know, this generation or this certain generation of women, they are pretty much uh, taught to be entitled because they are given this in the family. Correct me if I'm wrong in in times in terms of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, many times people don't have an objective view of their own reality, like you're saying. You know, like I want a guy who makes 500k a year, and that's fine. You can want what you want, uh, but right. you also have to ask yourself, does he want me? Right. <laughs> you know, like what do oh. I bring, what do I bring to the table, and am I? or yes. I'm just going to be single forever because my expectations are totally unrealistic and they're not a match mm-hmm. for what I am offering right also right. I think when I see myself as a woman my biggest fear is that a man just wants me for sex and I think when I meet men their biggest fear is she just wants me for my money
0: yeah right.
1: and, I think, and I think it's so important to look beyond for men to look at women beyond her beauty because her beauty is going to fade at some point and so you better like the person that she is she better be pleasant she better be nurturing she better be respectful she better have emotional maturity right right and for women you know um Because a man's fear is that he's just wanted for his money. You know, he wants to feel respected. He wants that you're interested in him as a person and what he brings to the table, not just like the money he can make and what he can give you. And I think when we look at the dynamics of today, like women like me, if I were to be single tomorrow, you know, I don't need a man for his money. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't
1: need a man for his money. I would, in fact, look at character, I would look at values, I would look at, you know, how well he treats me. Of course, I don't want to be with somebody who can't, you know, who expects me to baby him or provide for him. That's never going to happen. Like, sorry. But like, there's so many men, for example, who wouldn't make 500k a year, but they would make 200k a year, they would make 100k a year, and they're still great guys. And I think what we have to see is that, you know, Who is he as a person? Does he bring value to the table? I think when women marry men for money, they have so much competition because that woman can be replaced so quickly by another hot woman who also wants the man for his money. But when women marry for character and emotional bond, um, I think it makes you irreplaceable. I think that's power.
0: Yes, that, that is real power. I mean... To be able to not just look at the hotness wise, the money wise, but look at characteristics, compatibility, and also at the same time emotional bonding. This is what makes you know the world, or, or makes the this current generation believe in love again. Because uh, a lot of times we are all being brought into Hollywood, Bollywood, and whichever wood there are about love, about romance. Oh, you got to in order to win the girl's heart, you got to do that um, in order to be with the man. But then again, in real life, there are so many uh, nuances that you got to face together with the man. Oh, what if this guy is going to be sick? What if this girl is going to face certain rejection at work? Or what if the in-laws are going to fight with your wife because of probably certain values that are not aligned? All these things are way beyond what we're going to talk about in terms of oh we're going to date for love and sex and uh, i mean money it's as well it's etc it's more than that in a sense right because in 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 this day and age we shouldn't be just looking at um we shouldn't be just looking at the 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 surface area of of love it's it's beyond that in a sense from what what i what i realized after going through certain heartbreaks going through certain relationship and i realized that oh this is this is love i mean it's not just about you know bringing a girl back home or it's not just being with a guy for two months three months and then and then after that he broke the heart and and all it's beyond that surface level it's more than that and I, I'd like to ask you, right, you know, we were talking about this top 1% earlier in terms of women as well as well as for men. So um, do, do you believe that men actually were intimidated by smart and successful women?
1: No, I don't believe in that at all. I only okay. believe that insecure men are intimidated by strong and successful women. And... Mm. I believe a man who is secure in his worth, he's proud to have an intelligent, successful, accomplished wife. I think what we hear in the society today that men are intimidated by successful, strong women is basically basically when women are more in their masculine energy. I think a feminine woman who is successful and strong is very attractive to men. But a woman who is successful... But then she's in her masculine energy and she's trying to control you and she's emasculating you and she can't receive your love and she can't receive your effort. I think that is unattractive. And I think mm. that is what we tell the world oh, you know, sh- uh, men don't like a strong and successful woman. No, I think men love a strong and successful woman as, as long as she still knows how to be in her feminine energy
0: right i agree and and all these women are classified as alpha females am i right to say that like they are the alpha in the in the relationship and the the man who is supposed to be alpha it became beta because the alpha of the feminine i mean the masculine energy of the lady out outpowers that that guy in a sense then how can we balance this in in a relationship marriage
1: is a great example of how we can balance (laughs) because when I started out when I married my husband he was the one with the great job and he was the provider and he was Mm. buying me luxury bags in Paris and I could,
0: could
1: I didn't have to work I could just like receive and be happy but I wanted to work I wanted to you know bring my gifts to the world. And today, the equation looks like this, that my husband's amazing job, of course, now still there, fails in comparison to what a digital online company can do for me, where literally your listeners, if they go to sammywunder.com and go to self-study programs, they can download my programs overnight, which means I can wake up richer every day. Like I serve people while I sleep. I change their life while I sleep and I wake up in the morning and I have sales that I see. Right. So no job, no job. Like you could, I don't even think the president of the United States salary wise can compare with a digital company that is doing well. Right. And so I make more than him today, but in our marriage, he's still the husband in 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 our marriage, he's still the man. And in our marriage, he's still the leader. And he still pours, gives. Like for Christmas, he's like, Do you like this Versace bag? Do you like these Dior shoes? You know, like he invests in me. And that is still very much our equation. So I think what's important is not to let your boss babe energy trickle in your private life, which is very hard for women. But that's what my entire business is based on. It's what I teach women every single day, how to be in your feminine energy and how to receive from men, how to not emasculate men. And if you know those skills, then you can be a girl in your house and you can still be a boss babe at work. And that's the balance we're looking to strike.
0: Hmm, Right. I agree. And, you know, just now, we were also talking about this amount of women that are always looking for that, you know, that um, top 1% of men. So, have you ever seen women who are in the top 1% or 5% dating below them? For example, this girl is a multi-millionaire, but she's dating a guy who's earning what, 80k, 100k a year kind of, kind of person. It, it, it's do this exist? Does this exist?
1: Absolutely, it does. Oh. And I've worked with celebrities. I work with very high net worth individuals. A lot of these individuals, I can't even take their names because it would change my business overnight. But we sign, okay. we sign NDAs. Um, it's love coaching after all. It feels private to many people. Um, But the truth is that you come to a point where you, you see the diminishing marginal returns to money. And that's the point I'm trying to make here. You know, like there comes a point where if you make 100K a year and you start to make 400K, your life will change like you can't imagine. And if you make 400K and you make a million, again, your life will change in a way you can't imagine. But if you make seven figures and then you make multi-seven figures. Now you're already not knowing what to do with that extra money. I mean, you could, of course, buy a yacht and you could buy a private. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your emotional fulfillment. All your needs are met. You know, you eat well, you live well, you dress nice, you can afford good things. And now you start to understand that I could just keep dating for money, but it will not really add much to what my life already looks like. Right. Right. And so, having a partner that I can actually share my success with, having a partner that I can travel with, having a partner that, you know, is there to hold me when I've had a hard day is far more valuable in terms of the returns when a woman reaches that stage. Now, of course, there are some women who will keep holding out for more than me, better than me. And that's fine too, if you do not mind the time cost of it. (laughs) So, you know, if you don't mind getting 38 to 42 and still holding out, if that's your choice matrix, fair enough. Um, But there are smart people out there who really factor in the cost of time. And they're like, no, you know, I'm not going to keep holding out for Bradley Cooper. You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to appreciate the great man in front of me. And I am going to build something real with him. So that it can last, and a bird in hand is worth two in the bush, right? So, um, you know, cost factoring in the cost of time. Plus, I would say, I think when women will hear this message, it will make the men smile. But if the women hear this message and feel like Sammy's asking me to settle, I really want to make sure I'm. I'm telling you, I do not want you to settle. You know, we often think in extremes when we have a fear so let's say you want the guy who is making 500k a year now you heard sammy wonder the leading you know love success coach saying but a guy at 100k or 200k is equally great like why that big why that number in order to have love um, And of course, that number will be different for different people. This number might be very big in Southeast Asia or South Asia, but in San Francisco, this number is like you have the cost of living at 125K a year. That is poverty line. So in San Francisco, making 500K is not a very big deal. So I'm just saying the numbers are relative, but I'm talking about the concept. So what happens is when we have the fear of settling, we will think in terms of, oh, so I either have to marry somebody who drives a taxi or a bus, you know, or I have to marry the millionaire, you know, there's nothing in the middle. (laughs) And Mm. I teach my clients to think in the middle. You know, I teach my clients that you don't have to marry a man that you have to provide for, you don't have to marry a man who cannot afford a ticket to fly to you, you don't have to marry a man that depends on your money in order to live a good life. But there are so many men who make enough money to lead a a good life themselves. They will never be a burden on you. But yeah, if you want to just travel first class and if you just want five-star resorts, he may not be able to be part of that lifestyle, which means that you might have to make that You know, find that sweet spot, find that middle ground where, you know, uh, you are able to also enjoy, um, you know, a different kind of experience. And if you really want the luxury experience, you can still, um, you know, find a middle ground where, you know, maybe you can go there with your girlfriends who are also multimillionaires. He doesn't have to accompany. Like, I think women have this fear that I don't want to provide for a guy. And I just try to say, you don't have to. You just need a man who can provide for himself and he will still, like my husband doesn't depend on my income at all. He doesn't need it at all. Why? He has a great income, right? In fact, he pours into me, you know, for our 10th marriage anniversary, he actually got me like this really expensive diamond and like Aphrodite stones, Tanzanite stones, you know, and um, it shows you that, You can have a great man in your life who numerically makes less than you, but he could still be so giving to you and generous to you and pouring into you with what he has. And I think that makes the biggest difference because I have clients whose men make double and triple than they do and they pour nothing back into their wives. They pour nothing back into their girlfriends. Right. Mm -hmm. So, again, we're coming back to values. We're coming back to is he generous? Does he like to share what he has, even if he doesn't have much you know right. does he like to lead a good life you know with what he has does he have an abundance mindset and so we get stuck on the numbers but we should actually be looking at values and energy
0: hmm, i agree i mean values energy is very important then um, sammy what about attachment styles do you feel that attachment styles are very important when it comes to long-term relationship or it, it, it's it's not really that that an issue
1: i think attachment styles um, are a phenomenal piece of work um, in the love and relationship realm however i do think that we overemphasize them i think um, a lot of people start to uh, be very mental about this is my attachment style that is my attachment style these are all the problems i have And i'm like okay if you want to get results you want to change something shift something then you have to go into solution so it's good to know if you have an avoidant attachment style it's good to know if you have an anxious attachment style it's good to know if you have a secure attachment style but after that you should stop analyzing yourself you should ask yourself so what is it that i need to do differently if i have an anxious attachment style what do i need to learn to do better, to feel better. If I have an avoidant attachment style, when somebody messages me, I probably don't wanna respond to the message or when somebody messages me, I probably wanna ignore them versus be respectful and get back to them. So now I'm focusing on the solution versus the problem. So the next time I know I have an avoidant attachment style, I don't, but I'm just giving an example. If I have an avoidant attachment style, the next time somebody messages me, I know I tend to avoid. So this time, I'm going to actually take a deep breath. I'm going to respond. And I'm going to breathe through that fear of, oh, they're trying to chase me, or they're trying to pursue me. They're trying to color me. I'm going to breathe through that, because now I know this is what I do in order to create distance. So in my work, so I have a program called Elevate, where for six months, we work with single women to help them attract incredible men and women in relationships to heal their relationships and heal their marriages. And what we teach our clients is it's good to know your attachment style, but don't get too stuck on that. Don't start reading books about attachment style because then you're again in the problem. You need to be in the solution. You need to ask yourself, okay, I know what my issue is. Now, what changes do I need to make in the way I'm showing up so that I can get better results?
0: Agree. Agree. Always focus on the solution rather than the problem itself. And, and a lot um, of the
1: literature a lot of the literature focuses on the problem. A lot of the literature tells you what is wrong with you and I don't think that
0: <laughs> yeah and, and they always say oh avoidance shouldn't be with anxious but then again there are many cases that you know anxious and avoidant are always a- attracted to one another and they always be together and they break up and then they come back and then and, and whatever oh in a God. sense right. <laughs> right. Or they they get married as well. So so, um, those people who um, have been watching YouTube videos about attachment styles, just forget it. Just follow Sammy and then uh, go for Elevate and you will get results from there rather than focusing on the problems like all those YouTube coaches that have been teaching you about avoidance styles and all. And um, as we are coming to the end of the podcast, we have two more questions for you. And that is this. Um, So, for men and women who are returning to the dating scene after a breakup or divorce, what mindset shifts or strategies are crucial for them?
1: I think it's really important to ask yourself, what are you looking for? It's important to ask yourself, what values am I seeking versus just physical attraction? Because your short-term dating strategies can cost you years. It is not a joke. If you show up on those apps, or if you show up in social networking events, and all you're looking for is who can I spend the night with, or this weekend, uh, before you know, you have an addiction. It's an addiction as strong as a drug. And it's going to cost you years. So my recommendation is to be very intentional about how you date. Now, of course I don't judge people who are not ready for the real relationship. They've just come out of a long marriage, they've just gotten divorced, they're just going through a breakup. They're just looking to like you know take it easy for some time. That's okay as long as it's for some time. <laughs> you know, but if it becomes like the way you date, then you have to remember that um, the way to date casual for fun, is very different than the way you date to get a partner for life. And so you're not gonna end up with a partner for life if you're dating for casual fun. It, I mean, of course, there's always exceptions to everything. So there are those few people who are looking for nothing and found love, but the majority of people who are not looking for love, only looking for sex, will only find sex. They will not find love. So be intentional. Um, ask yourself, what am I looking for? Be real with yourself. Um, ask yourself, what values am I seeking beyond my the physical attraction? And then be honest. Be honest with them. Be honest with yourself. I think honesty is just such a powerful quality to possess in the dating sphere. And remember, like I think We are truly better off being single than being with a person who's not right for us. So always having the courage to walk away when something doesn't feel aligned, always having the courage to leave even a highly attractive um, you know, relationship with amazing sex, because she doesn't respect you, or she just wants you for your money. Or for the woman, you know, um, he might have a lot of money. But if he doesn't treat you well, if he's a womanizer, if he leaves you feeling like you he's walk, you're walking on eggshells and feeling insecure all the time, you know, have the courage to walk away. I think Again, people stay in the wrong equations for too long. They don't cost they don't factor in the cost of time, and your time is precious.
0: Yeah, I agree. Time is really precious. You can play as much as you want, but then time is ticking down. Uh, your body clock will not, you know, allow you to play as much as you want when you are probably when you are 24 or 25, you would have played more than you know when you are 30, 34, 36 and all because your body clock can't tip up with that pace that you had in the past. So I agree with what Sammy has mentioned. Be intentional rather than just thinking of the fun part. But um, um, as for this last question that I have for you, which is totally nothing going to do with dating, it, it's got to do with business, OK? So Sammy, imagine this you suddenly lose everything, Okay, your money, your reputation, your assets. What would you do from day one to day 30 to save yourself?
1: Well, I will remind myself first and foremost that I was the one who created all of that. So it's within me. Nobody can take everything away from me because I am the source of the magic that was created, that is gone, that can be created again. Right. And it's going to happen through me. I think the second thing I would remind myself is well done, Sammy, for focusing on your love life because you're not standing in this hard place alone. You have love in your life. You have a man by your side who's going to stick with you through the thick and thin. You have two beautiful kids you created. That you know, love you, and that will remind you that you could take everything away from this woman, but she still is standing on solid grounds. And so, I'm going to give myself a good pat on the back for like, well done for not doing short-term dating strategies, but long-term strategies. <laughs> because it is on a day like this when you really value that. Um, and then mm-hmm. I think third, I would start by asking myself, um, you know, how do I leverage my gifts? in the best possible way even if everything was taken away from me these skills and gifts are within me i'm gonna ask myself you know who can i help who can i bring value to and basically start from scratch
0: okay nice i love this i love this many times the guests that came on to my podcast they didn't mention about you know uh, I'm, i'm grateful that my family is there to that i can depend on that i can share the burden with or share the responsibility with that they normally will say oh I, i'm gonna start a job or i'm gonna uh, leverage on my skills to start my business but yours is truly um amazing i mean you know you talk about your love your family and i truly agree with you that you really have an amazing husband that you can rely on that you can depend on and a uh, great family that can they can be with and um wow that's totally amazing thank you so much for your gifts to the world and the tips that you have shared onto the podcast so where can my listeners find you
1: yes yeah, so i'm all over the internet you just have to spell my name correctly so it's Sammy <laughs> wonder s-a-m-i right. W-U-N-D-E-R. It's a German word for wonder. So it's W-U-N-D-E-R, wonder. Sammy Wonder. You can go to my website. You can also find me on Instagram at the rate Sammy Wonder Coach. Uh, Rayson and I are now following each other. So we're going to be connected. And Rayson, I do have um, a gift for your audience that you can share with them on the show notes. So it's all for okay. the same women who are getting fed up of dating, they don't know how to date, nothing works out. I have a video training called Five Signs He's a Keeper and never miss these red flags again. And this is for the woman who wants to learn how to value the good men and not just keep falling for the high chemistry top 1% man who leaves her feeling crying and sad. So if you wanna attract a great guy, men show the signs right from the beginning and this training is helping you see what those signs are and also what red flags you never want to ignore no matter how much chemistry and attraction you feel for a guy so this video training link is in the show notes and it would be great to have your ladies join us and watch this life-changing training in the way they will be dating after listening to it
0: awesome nice so for those of you who are tuning in do check out that it it is already in the show note it's in her website itself and you can actually go and watch it and learn as much as you can from the free materials that she's going to give you not just a training video but other tips and and tricks for women on dating and relationship as well well with that i would like to thank sammy for being here with us such an amazing vibe that we have and uh Awesome tips, golden nuggets that she has dropped over here, and also not forgetting to thank each and every one of you who has been tuning in to the Ragazzi Show. And for those who just chance upon this podcast, it will be great for you to actually subscribe to the Ragazzi Show on Spotify, iTunes, and other major platforms as well. So with that, see you guys again for the next episode of the Ragazzi Show. That take care and bye bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of The Regacy Show. I hope it has enlightened you. I hope it has brought you to an epiphany where you realize that this is where you want to go and this is what you want to do. So I hope you will continue to support and also at the same time, like, comment, and share this episode out to your people, to your family, your friends. And not forgetting that, we have just created a telegram group. It's called the Ragazzi Show Family. So you can go and check it out and let us know how you find this group is serving you. Alright, so with that, I would like to thank you once again. See you. and. Stay tuned for another episode of The Regacy Show.